Grab your Bibles. Everybody grab your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two. It is so good to be in God's house this morning. I am so grateful for what he has done. I'm grateful for Christmas. I'm grateful for everything. Got to see a lot of uh, my family. Got to come in and, and, and so that was a blessing. And, uh, and so listen, now what? Now what? Christmas was yesterday. Christmas was yesterday. Do we, you know, just go back to normal or, or, or go back to the routine and to the rut uh, for another year till, till next Christmas? I hope not. I hope not. If you're looking at your outline, what, what is the title to the service today? All right. Let's try that again. You ready? One, two, three. Because of Christmas. Because of Christmas. Listen, there is an expectation for all of God's children. Say amen. amen. And we find, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but we find the Christmas story in Philippians. Now that's not usually where you would turn when it comes to Christmas time or to talk about Christmas. Usually you're in Luke chapter number two, talking about the shepherds and the wise men and all of those things. But the true Christmas story is found here in Philippians chapter number two. Not only do we find the Christmas story, we find God's expectations for his children because of the Christmas story. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Now let's read in Philippians chapter number two in verse number one. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies. And let me say this, it says, if there be, let me tell everybody there is. There is, you could, you could even word this, you could even word this because of the consolation we have in Christ, because of the comfort we have in his love, because of the fellowship of the spirit, because of the bowels and mercies. In other words, all that God does on the inside of us, because of all of these things. How many are glad God comes and consoles us? He comes and comforts us. We, we have had, we have had three deaths in the, in, in the church this, this weekend, this weekend. And we've had to, we, we've got a funeral today. We will have one coming up and, and, and we've had to, in a time of holiday cheer, do some consoling. And I'm so glad to know that we have a God who can come and meet with us and give us what we stand in need of. And because of that, Paul is saying, because we have that, he says, do this, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this, come on everybody, let this, this mind, this way of thinking, this way of behaving be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now he says, let me tell you a little bit about him. Here's the Christmas story, the true Christmas story, the real Christmas story. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That's the cradle. 
and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is, Jesus Christ is to the glory of God the Father. If we went and talked to Brother Isaiah, Brother Isaiah said unto us, a child is born. Say amen. It says he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. That's the child that is born. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is, that's the cross. Are y'all with me? Every knee will bow. He's got a name that is above every name. Every person, everything will confess that he is Lord. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, do y'all see the Christmas story? Because of Christmas. Listen, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. I'll let you sit down. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house and magnify you and sing about you and talk about you. Lord, you are the unspeakable gift. You are the most precious thing that we have ever received in our entire life. God gave his only begotten son, his son in whom he was well pleased. We've received as a gift. And God, I pray that we will appreciate it. I pray that we'll learn today. I pray that that Christmas will have an impact on our lives. That the story of Christmas and and the reality of what happened Lord, the reality of what you did for us will affect how we treat each other. God, I'll praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to share just a couple things by way of introduction before we get into the main body of the message today. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt said, I have often thought That unselfishness, unselfishness combined in one word, more of the teachings of the Bible than in any other in language. Somebody say amen. Let me read that again. Let that sink in a minute. I have often thought that unselfishness combined in one word, more of the teachings of the Bible than in any other in the language. I would have to agree with him. Everything that we learn, everything that we are taught out of scripture will point back to being unselfish. Now, let's define it. Let's define what selfish means. The definition of selfish. It says concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. Seeking or concentrating on one's own well-being without regards for others. I want to, I want to say this. If you're one that gets your feelings hurt all the time and you, you carry your feelings around on your shoulder, you may think too highly of yourself. You might want to do a checkup from the neck up. Say amen. I'll be honest with you. The Bible says they that love his word, they that love his word will not be offended. It says nothing shall offend them. If we, you know what happens when you know the word, you realize who you really are. 
You, you realize who he really is. That's what happens. You'll, you'll come face to face, headlong. I mean, you'll drive, you'll, you'll drive and have a head on collision with God and you'll realize who he is and you'll realize who you are. And now here's the thing. This is what I want to get at. We, we live in a time. We live in a time that has been, has been predicted. Are y'all with me? A long time ago, a long time ago, God said that there will be a time that will reflect people. Now you say, where do we find that? Look in first Timothy, first Timothy chapter three, verse one, Paul is telling Timothy, he said, be careful, be aware, because this is what's coming. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men. Watch this now for men shall be lovers of their Say it again. Lovers of their covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of all that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now look at, look at that list. Look at that list. Now watch this. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. 18 different descriptions which fall under lovers of themselves. Because a person is full of themselves, because a person is overly concerned, overly thoughtful of himself, 18 different things flow out of that problem. Now, here's what I want to share with you today. The culture is permeated with a me first mentality. Could we agree on that? How many of y'all, how many of y'all went shopping? This is not a trick question. Come on, how many of y'all went shopping and was in town? If you was in town this week, now I don't go shopping. That's not my thing. Tammy don't want it to be my thing. And I'm glad because I don't want it to be my thing. I don't want her to want me to want to do that. I will finance it if she will do it. And she's happy with that agreement. I seen a meme the other day that showed a a family around the Christmas tree and the father has a surprise look on his face and the child has a surprise look on her face. And it says, when you are just surprised, just as surprised as your child, what they got for Christmas. I said, that is me. Amen. I said, who got you that? Tammy said, we got them that. I said, okay, we got them that. But I had to go shopping this time. Some people, I don't know what it is with children that get married. They start adding rules to what we have to do at Christmas time. My my idea of Christmas is meet and eat. Can I get a witness in the house of God this morning? We don't need, we don't need no gingerbread building contest. We, We don't need, we don't need to be exchanging stuff. I'm going to get you stuff. Be, be calm. Just, just leave it alone. If it's not broke, say it with me. Well, I had to go buy something. 
because I drew a name. And I didn't even draw it. It was a sign to me. Are y'all with me? So here I am, I'm going shopping because it's personal. It's got it, you know, and, 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 and it was, I, I, I went to one store. I didn't like what they had. And I went into town. I went into town. And I saw another sign that made a whole lot of sense after I went. It said, don't blame us that the retailer saying, don't blame us that you waited for Mary's water to break before you went shopping. How many of y'all know there's some insane people in this world? I tried driving around. I tried finding a parking spot. Man, there was no place to park. There was people honking and going and here and go. And I just wanted to go home. And I'm telling you, people were crazy. You know, you don't have to go very far to see that we, we live in a self-absorbed, self-focused society. They, 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 they treat the, like the world, revol- they are the sun and everything revolves around what they want, what they desire. And, and you know what? You know what Paul told Timothy? He said, that's some dangerous times. In the last days, perilous times. What, what causes things to become so perilous? People get so focused on their own selves. Now think about the day we live in. Think about what's happening with the shootings and everything. People have, they won't think twice about shooting anybody. We have road rage incidents. We have school shootings. We have all, you know why? Because we live in perilous times. The perilous times are caused by men who are lovers of themselves. They only think about themselves. They only focus on themselves. They only care about themselves. It doesn't matter. The only thing they do with you is whatever benefits them. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but you need to understand that this is anti-Christ mentality because this is the exact opposite of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to do this. We're going to kind of work backwards. Usually we'll start at the beginning of a chapter and we'll work our way down, but I want to go backwards. I want to show you what Jesus did first so you'll understand and appreciate what he expects out of you. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, I'm not going to send you up a ladder I won't climb? You know, that was the Lord. The Lord doesn't have any expectations for anybody in here, anybody watching by way of the internet or anybody at our, 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 our Fairview family. He, he doesn't have any expectations for us that he hasn't already fulfilled and accomplished. Now, here's what I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see the example that's delivered. It says, let this mind, verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Now watch this. We see the Christmas story in these first few verses. Look what Jesus did. Look what Jesus did. First of all, we see the example delivered. Number one, verse five says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here's what I want you to do. Write these three things. First of all, I want you to see his person. 
his person. Before you can appreciate his, his actions, you got you to gotta appreciate who he was and who he is. Not who he was. He is. He is. I, you know, when, when, when Moses got to the burning bush and he said, who are you? He said, I am that I am. Now, what was significant about that? He didn't say I was that I was or I'm going to be that I'm going to be. He said, I am. He is the I am. He is the ever present one. He is today, tomorrow. He's in our yesterday. He's in our today. He's already in our tomorrow. Somebody say amen. He is the eternal God. It says who being in the form of God, who being in the form of God, Jesus is God. He always has been. He always will be. He was there in the beginning. He'll be there in the ending. He is alpha and omega, the beginning and the, yes, that's him. The Bible says in John chapter number one, in the beginning was the word, capital W, W O R D. That was his, his call. That's his name. He is the word. He is the expression of God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same as in the beginning with God, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Now, how do you know that was Jesus? Because if you keep reading, if you keep reading in John chapter number one, it says, and the word, capital W-O-R-D, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. That's the incarnation. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. He's the creator, but watch this. He became the created. The creator became the creature. You got You got to get this. It says being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now let's translate that in something we can understand. He did not selfishly hold on to his form of deity. He had all the privileges. He had all the worship. He had all the adoration of heaven. He had all of the singing and, and all of the appreciation of the angels. He had all of everything. And he set it aside. He set it aside. The word t- re- truly means he emptied himself. Did he empty himself deity? No. No, he was still God. But he emptied himself of all the privileges that go with being God. And he became a baby who had to be burped, who had to be changed, who had to grow up, who was mocked, belittled. He got hungry. Listen, he was discouraged. He got sad. It bothered him when he would see people who would not believe in him. He was betrayed. He was broken. He was, are y'all with me? He did this. He humbled himself. How humble do you have to be to go from creator to created? To have all the adoration of heaven, to have all the worship of heaven, to have all the glories of heaven, to have all the privileges of heaven, to become a man who would get hungry 
who would have to fast 40 days, who would have to endure hardship, who would have to endure cruelty and abuse. That's what Jesus did. See, we don't normally talk about that in the Christmas story because we want to keep the Christmas story upbeat. But the the true Christmas story is anything but upbeat. It's brutal. It's humbling. It's hard to fathom what Jesus really did. We only think that the, the toughest part about the whole deal was the cross. But can you imagine being God, the creator, and humbling yourself to become the created? Are y'all with me? Say amen. We see his person. Then we see his practice. His practice. Look at this. But made himself of verse seven, verse seven, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a. Okay, there's five people. I know we don't like this because we're living in perilous times. We're living in selfish times. We're living in times where we're lovers of our own self. We're covetous. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's, that's the time we're living in. So we don't even like to use the word. But look what it says. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. A servant. A servant. And was made in the likeness of men. The, the, you, cannot help, you cannot help as you go through the gospels to see Christ in his servanthood. Everywhere he went, he served. He served people that didn't even care about him. He served people that would not believe him. He even served someone who was going to betray him. How many of y'all recognize the fact that he washed Judas's feet too? And, and, and by the way, the washing of the feet thing is the, the most humiliating, the lowest of the low. That was the responsibility of slaves. But yet Jesus girded himself and washed their feet. He served when he was tired. He served when he was tired. He served when he was troubled. He served when he was weary. He served when he was misunderstood. He served when he was not appreciated. He fed people and people wanted just what he had to offer. They didn't want him. All right. I, I, y'all, y'all better be honest. Y'all better be honest because I done seen your Facebook. <clears throat> How many of you ever felt used before? They just want what I have to offer. Well, you're in, you're in good company. He served. And even though he knew, the Bible says he knew that they didn't, they didn't truly believe in him for who he was. And they didn't want him. They wanted the free food. They wanted the healing. They wanted to feel better. They didn't care about who he should, But yet he did it anyway. He was a servant. Now I'm going to give you something convicting. Because it, it convicted the fire out of me when I heard it. I really didn't want, appreciate what the preacher said. To be honest with you. He says you know you have a heart of a servant. By how you respond when someone treats you like a servant. See, that's how quiet I was. When's the last time somebody treated you like a servant? 
How did you respond? Did you lovingly serve anyway? Or, or like the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. You might have went ahead and cooked. You might have went ahead and did whatever, but you was grumbling the whole time. Do I have a witness? Bless God, these people don't appreciate me. I clean and cook and wash and do all this stuff. And I, I go to work and I provide and I pay the bills and I block, 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 block. I'm going to need a translator for that last part. Amen. Use your imagination. Am, am I talking to anybody? And usually, usually this time of the year is what produces the most of it. Un- crazy as it sounds. We get frustrated when people make you build gingerbread houses. <laughs> Listen, he was a servant. He was the sovereign God of glory. Who spoke this world into existence, yet he washed feet. Yet he calmed fears, yet he fed the hungry. He would do it later, listen, late into the evening when he was dog tired, but yet he served. We see his practice. Then we see his passion. His passion. He said, he humbled himself, verse eight. He humbled himself as he found, he was, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think about that. He became obedient. You understand the significance of that? He had to allow death to take him. He had to give up the ghost. Because it couldn't be taken. Why? The Bible says the sting of sin is death. The reason we're going to die one day and death will have power over us regardless of what we try to do. I don't care what doctor you go to. I don't care what machine machine they hook you up to. When your time comes, you're going. You have no power. According to Ecclesiastes, you have no power to retain life. Nobody does. Nobody does. Because we have the sting of sin and the sting of sin is death. But the one who knew no sin. Are y'all getting this? He couldn't die because he had no sin. Death couldn't sting him. So he had to allow it. He became obedient unto it. He said, die body. But he did. Why would he do that? The Bible says, greater love is no man than this than a man lay down his life for his. Preacher, what are you saying? What I'm trying to say in the Christmas story, we have to understand that Jesus went all the way. In his incarnation, he humbled himself. In In the life that he lived, he humbled himself. In the death that he died, he humbled himself. It was all about his way of thinking. Now, I'm fixing to ask some things of you and and some expectations that God has of you. But what I'm trying to say is he's already climbed the ladder. He's already done what he's asking you to do. He's not asking you to do anything that he hasn't already done. By the way, that he hasn't already done for you. 
and see what he's done for you. He's wanting you to do for each other. Are y'all with me now? Because of Christmas, because of these verses, because of what Jesus did. Let's look at number two. We see the example delivered. Number two, we see the expectation that's determined. The expectation is determined. Three things and we'll be done this morning. Three things. <clears throat> Look in verse number two. Look in verse number two. Now, now, before we go into that, before we go into that, you got to understand Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Part of the reason for the letter is there was two people in Philippi who couldn't get along. Who would have thought? Isn't it hard to believe that people in church can't get along? The people that are laughing understand church splits. Church splits because of disagreements. Church splits. Usually it's very rare that's a doctrine. Very rare. To the point you just say it don't even exist. Most of the time churches split because they don't love each other like they should. And they argue over stuff that's, that's, that's irrelevant. But there was two people. Yodia and Sintichi. Now, I don't know what their disagreement was. I don't know what their squabble is, but Paul addresses it in, in, in chapter number four. But he, he you know, he, he's doing, he, he, he's trying to do his, his Rodney King. Can't we all just get along? That's what this is about. That's the whole point of this. this the main point of this book is encouragement because they were arguing. They were fussing. They were striving. And, and the word here, the word here, striving, says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Vainglory means empty, empty, meaning there, what, what are you arguing over? This is silly. This is ridiculous. Now watch what he says. Verse number two, fulfill ye my joy that ye be, everybody say it, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one and of one Mind. So write this down. First of all, God expects us to have unselfish feelings, unselfish feelings. He says, I want you to love one another. I want you to think the same thing. The thinking that's the, that's the key. Have the same mind being in one accord. Now, if you love one another, you can do this. You got to choose to do this. You got to choose to do this. This is not something that's going to happen automatically. Now look around the room, everybody. Look around the room. Look around the room. Everybody look around the room. What, what, what stands out to you? What stands out to you? Anything stand out to you? Y'all see different colors? Is everybody wearing white? Is everybody wearing red? Is everybody wearing blue? What's everybody wearing? Different things. Different things. You know why? Because we think differently. We have different preferences. We have different likes. We have, are, are y'all, stay with me now. I'm going somewhere with this. We're all different. So in order to think the same, we have to be centered around the right thing. And what is the right thing? According to Philippians chapter one, verse five, we have fellowship in the gospel. Say that with me. Fellowship in the gospel. 
Listen, we don't have to all wear the same thing. We don't even have to all appreciate the same type music or the same genre of music. We don't even have to uh, appreciate everything or whether it's brown chairs or blue chairs or the top or the bottom or the nine o'clock or the 11 o'clock. But if we can all rally around, center around the gospel, we can get along. People are fighting over what songs, what type of songs, what type of music, what type of this, what type of that. Now, if you stopped worrying about yourself and worried, what can we do to further the gospel? What can we do so more people can hear the gospel? What can we do so more people will believe the gospel? Listen, I don't have to have my own way with everything. If it, if it means if we had to go acapella with everything and that meant half a common would come in, these, these musicians would be out of a job. Think about that. Well, that's a little drastic. Yeah, but it's the gospel. Paul said, I'll become all things to all men that that I might by all means say some. You know what was the most important thing to him? The gospel. You know what was the most important thing to him? The gospel. And if we can center around that, we don't have to center around type of music. We don't have to center around this preference or that preference, whether we have coffee or no coffee, whether we go in the morning or in the, none of that matters. But if we can center around what Jesus did for us and getting the gospel to people that don't have it, we can get along. There's got to be a common denominator. The common denominator will never be music. It will never be a type of service, whether it's traditional or contemporary. It'll never be none of those things because we'll never get along with that stuff because we all have different preferences. But if we can all agree that Jesus came, he was the son of God. He died on the third day. He rose again and he offers salvation to all who will call on him. And whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we can agree on that, if we can rally around that, if we can make that the center of our care and the center of our concern, I'm telling you, we can make it happen. We need to have unselfish feelings, unselfish thinking. Listen, not only unselfish feelings, write this down. Unselfish favor, unselfish favor. Look at verse three, verse three. Let nothing say that with me. Let nothing be done through strife. Strife is just arguing. Fighting, fussing. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Vain, vain glory means empty pride, basically. Conceit. But in lowliness of mind, say that with me, but in let each esteem. Uh oh. Let's try it again. You ready? But in lowliness of mind, everybody, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Esteem. Esteem means to prize, to set high value on. Dr. Finch, Dr. Finch, when he would come and he would work with our team, he would, he would have this saying all the time. He said, I want to add value. I want to add value. When I come, I want to help. I want to add value to you. In other words, I want to benefit you. I want to bless you. And part of the training and part of the development and part of the teaching and the work he did with us is teaching us how to value one another. 
And you know what we learned? You know what we learned as a staff? Sometimes, sometimes there's staph infections. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the guys come in my office one day and I had a book on how to handle a staph infection. They said, uh-oh. But you know what? It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a natural thing. When you get more than one person in a room, you got problems. Did you hear what I said? I talked to a newlywed. I talked to a newlywed, went coon hunting with me the other night. We was talking. I said, son, I said, how's the married life going? He said, well, <laughs> I said, it's different, isn't it? He said, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing when you, you come together. There's no such thing as a perfect church. There's no such thing as a church without issues, without struggles, without friction, without some kind of thing going on. It's it just because there's people. Anytime you get people together, if you get more than one person together, you're going to have issues. Sooner or later, you're going to have issues. But one of the things we learned in the staff meeting that was causing some of the issues we were having is we didn't value the other person like we should have. One staff person who uh, has a responsibility over a certain amount of things didn't value this other staff member who had responsibility in the things he had. And so this person would hold on and, 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 and do fight for his ministry while this person would hold on and fight for his ministry. And they were going opposite ways when they didn't even realize we're all in the same boat. And when we learned to value the other person, it transformed our staff. It transformed our staff. Because when one person has a ministry, they started saying, hey, I, I want to plan this right here. Is this going to interfere with anything you're doing? And one would say, hey, I, I, I want to do this. Do y'all think y'all might connect? Yeah, we'll help you. We'll get somebody. Else. And we'll, what do you need us to do? You see the difference? But see, we didn't do that till we valued the person. And the reason people fight and fuss and carry on is that they don't value the other person. The Bible says to esteem the other. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look what it says. Verse number, verse number uh, three. But in lowliness of mind, let each, look at that word. What does it say? Esteem. What does esteem mean? To prize to set high value on others esteem other better than now see there's there's the problem because we live in a society in a culture where people are what lovers of and when you love yourself more than you love everybody else you don't value other people and when you don't value other people you won't care for other people And if you don't value other people, you won't care for other people. So that means you sure won't serve other people. We have to fight this. We have to fight this in staff. We have to fight this in marriages. Some of some of some of you guys in here are struggling in in the marriage and in home and your relationship. It's because you don't value the other person enough. I'm telling you the facts. 
Because we are so saturated in a world that all of the magazines, all of the printed material, all of the promotional material, it's forcing everything. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. And it's creating this mindset that's creeping into the church. And God says, I don't want none of it. I don't care what they do out there, but in here, we need to value one another. We need to esteem other better than themselves. Can you imagine if, if, if we had a Christian society that would actually act like Christ? Now, can we all agree this? Can we all agree this? That's what Jesus did. He valued you. He valued you. That's why the, the, the creator became the created because he thought more of you than he thought of himself. Because if the creator didn't become the created, we would have never been able to make it to glory. But he valued you more than himself. Listen, we need to have unselfish favor. Do you care about the one sitting next to you? Now, it's easy. It's easy for me to care for little Carter. That little fella's getting an attitude. I ain't gonna lie. I cannot believe the difference in the last time they visited till today. The, the, the terrible twos, it, it's the terrible one and a half. It's amazing. But that, that don't bother me a bit. I love that little scoundrel. That's not hard. That's not, that's easy. It don't take nothing to do that. But Jesus wants us to love and value the unlovable. Are y'all with me? Okay. We love this so much, we'll move to the third point. <laughs> Unselfish feelings. I have a feeling. And by the way, I, I, I wasn't planning on being this heavy, you know, right? I, I wanted to get something short and sweet and, you know, hey, let's just celebrate and get over this Christmas hangover and go home. But apparently we all argued this Christmas, so we got to deal with it. <laughs> God was with us. Apparently, some of y'all were on the naughty list now. (laughs) Unselfish feelings. He said, think the same thing. Center around the gospel. Esteem each other more highly than you. Prize them. Set a high value on them. Unselfish favor. And lastly, write this down. We see an unselfish focus. Unselfish feelings, unselfish favor, unselfish focus. It says in verse number, verse number four. Let's all read it. Verse number four. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Read it again. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Before we talk about what this is, let's talk about what it ain't. This, this doesn't mean mind everybody else's business. Okay, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I know you're all mad already. We're almost done, okay? We got two minutes. This doesn't mean we're minding everybody else's business. Sticking our nose where it don't belong. But it does mean think about somebody else. The word look means to consider. Say it with me. Two. That means think about somebody else. Think about somebody else. 
When you sit down, when you sit down, at the, let's, let's, be, let's be real practical right here. A lot of preaching don't do no good unless you can practice it, right? I'm going to give you a way to practice it. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Get your neighbor, elbow your neighbor and say, pay attention, pay attention. Everybody come on up on the shelf. Tell them, pay attention, pay attention. When you, when you, go, when you go to the restaurant today and your food ain't getting there quite fast enough, before you think about not getting your food fast, think about that person has been there a long time. Think about that person that's had to deal with three jerks before you got there. Don't be the fourth one. That's what it means. Look on the things of others. I went, I went, I went, I took my son-in-law to the Waffle House uh, Friday morning and uh, got my traditional, got my traditional chicken melt plate with ham and hash browns. And I went ahead and splurged with the waffle on the side. So I needed something sweet. There was no ham in the hash browns. Now, now, how do you make a chicken melt without the cheese? There was no cheese. Now, I know what some of y'all would do. You would have pitched a holy fit right there. Sean said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. I looked across that. That was the most people in a Waffle House I'd ever seen in my life. There was workers. There was two cooks. There was, there was work. Have y'all ever been in Waffle House? That's, that's like, that's like you, you got to try it one time in your life. I mean, they're hollering things out. Have you noticed that? I mean, they're hollering. And then them, them cooks are just, they're like, like robots. A brain surgeon couldn't do what that cook is doing. You know what? I sure wanted my cheese. Because I was looking forward to that. That's the only reason I went. But you know what? They were busy. They were wide open. I could do without some cheese. I could still be a Christian. Think about somebody else. In traffic. Need I say more? <laughs> hey, when, when, when you're taking those things back that didn't fit, <laughs> you really didn't like, amen? <laughs> Uh-oh. And the line is from here out the door. Just think about somebody else. Let's be different. Why should I be different? Because of Christmas. Because of Christmas. I'm going to humble myself. And I want you to humble yourself. I want you to think about somebody else before you think about yourself. And you know what? Your day will get better. Your day will get better. You'll have less drama. I, you know, it's so funny. It's so funny. I, I see people on, on social media all the time. I just hate drama. You lie. <laughs> you lie. You don't hate drama. Yeah, you all up in it. But do you know what if we would do? If, if we would just humble ourselves. Most drama is developed when we think too highly of ourselves. Because when we think too highly of ourselves, we get the entitled 
I don't deserve to be treated this way. Really? The creator became the created and subjected himself to brutality and mistreatment and abuse, unbelief. And we're not, that's not even, we're not even to the cross yet. So don't really come at me at what you deserve. Because let's be honest, everybody. If we all got what we deserve, we'd be in hell right now. I didn't get what I wanted from Santa Claus. I was in the emergency room Christmas Eve with a family who lost a loved one. And they're in the room today. So be careful what you're whining about. Somebody always has it worse. I was walking through the emergency room and, and there was, it, it seemed like every room had someone sick, someone rough. Workers in there, nurses and doctors. and So be careful. Be careful what you're going to complain about this year. Amen? Amen. Let's think about somebody else. How many of y'all will help me pray for the families that lost loved ones this weekend? Will y'all help us do that? Let's do that. If we will focus on others, God will focus on us. And all God's people say it.